All right, guys. Um, well, today we talked a little bit about how you can get things in your security right, like how to get everything put together properly. Now let's, uh, let's jump in. We're going to talk about a couple of things other than all of this stuff. We're not going to talk about that already. We're going to assume that you got this guy under control, and we're going to talk about sales. And why are we talking about sales? Because before I do that, I want to ask, whose head's ready to explode? No? Loads more room. We're just going to fill it up a bit more, see if we can get any more data in there. And if 20% stays, it's okay. I, you know, I think just one thing. If one thing stays, just go get the assessment done. Okay. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> you can get right. the assessment done, or you can just go and get Threat Locker deployed. <laughs> we'll get there. One, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. We'll get you guys to deploy Threat Locker. You've got two years. So. Keep one for each. Yeah. All right. So why do you run into cheap competitors? And Danny, you've told me, like, we're, we're doing these shots last night. Did, who all got the shots? Oh, gosh. That's the baby getting shots. Oh, I was talking about the, the, not the COVID shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who will get the, the baby Guinness shots last night? Yeah, uh, I, I can see that they got around. So we were talking last night. We did the shot thing. And you mentioned that, you know, you're running into or you've seen MSPs like in the Midwest that are like charging way more than you expected. 25, 29 bucks an endpoint. <laughs> so... You, what do you do when you run into a cheap competitor like that and they're not doing the right things, like they're taking shortcuts? I mean, that's one of the things that we're going to talk through today. We're going to basically help you figure out how you can create a cybersecurity stack that sells. One of the things you're going to want to do is you're going to want to grab a pencil or a piece of paper or something to take some notes. Because if you thought the last session with just me talking was good, now Danny's up here and he's a lot smarter than me and he had a couple of shots before he got on stage. So... <laughs> I, I tried to dumb down my brain cells before I came out here. It's okay. It's actually so he'll talk slower. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about five things. Very straightforward here today. We're going to be talking about how you can avoid giving this stuff away. And then we're going to jump in. We're going to talk about layers. And Danny and I, we don't agree on layers, so we got some stuff to talk through there. Then we're going to talk about your stack. And so, then... Bruce said I was smart. It's Okay. <laughs> And then, so we just, just agree, just remember that. And then finally, we're going to talk about actually selling the solution and how to package your stack so that people like understand and want to buy it. So those are the things that we're going to cover. I guess to get started with, you've learned a bunch of stuff about security, right? Like you've learned about some different tools today. How many different tools are there, Danny? You said like... Oh, out there. Yeah. Well, there's probably more than this, but there's 700 actively marketed tools towards the MSP industry. Yeah, so, so there's... That's, they're not all good, and some of them are just bloatware, but and, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, there's all this stuff out there. So, I mean, if you're going to go through and pick those tools, and you also... I mean, that doesn't even include all the things you're learning, right? Who here learned something new about hardening M365 in the last 90 days? If you don't raise your hand, you better take a look, because there's some big changes out there. Um, how do you take this to your clients without giving it away. You're learning all this stuff, and they're all thinking like, I mean, haven't you been doing this in the first place for us, right? In the IT support budget for $25 a month. <laughs> Do you not protect us from China, Russia? What's, not, what's in that $25 a month? Yeah, so they have no idea, and they expect you to be the guy that's just doing all of this stuff. And so what we are seeing, and we actually see this happen with our partners, so 
um, their operations people come to something like this. Um, who here is an operations person? Like somebody that actually gets stuff done. Okay, yeah, so. I just talk a lot. <laughs> I know, me too. So, uh, so anyway, so you got, you got the operations folks. You guys come to events like this. You learn about something like hardening Microsoft 365, installing ThreatLocker, you know, something like that. And then you're like, yes, we got to go do it because we should have been doing it the entire time. And now you end up giving away all of this effort. Like this is things that you just end up like giving out to people, right? Has anybody done that? Has anybody made a major improvement for your clients and just did it for free and didn't increase from your $25? Does anyone charge $25 here? All right, so here's the problem. When I was running my MSP, I had this head trash. Um, I remember I, uh, I, rolled out, I rolled out this whole new firewall. I know, right, like I was, I was working on the perimeter. Um, I rolled out this whole new firewall solution. I did the entire thing for all of my clients and I didn't raise their rates at all. Why? Because I felt like I should have been doing it the whole time. I should have had a UTM in place. I should have had these different tools in place. And I was, I was giving away service. And why was I doing that? Because I was thinking that I was protecting my clients from the bad guys. I was concerned that I wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing for my clients. That's why we're here, right? And what I didn't understand and what I had a really hard time communicating is that the threatscape is changing, right? So I'm not protecting it from some guy running away. I'm protecting it from this new threatscape that wasn't there when I first started my agreement with the client. I think that's a really important point. And this is, you know, who here is technical as opposed to a business owner? I know there's probably a lot of technical business owners. Or owner. technical and business owner. And who's technical and business owner? Like, so as a... As a technical person, we've got to do what's right. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. That's why engineers get paid less than salespeople. <laughs> so, <laughs> because it, it's in our blood uh, to fix problems and make things the best way they can be. And ultimately, as an MSP, you have to get to that, regardless of the money side. The question is, how do you get the business side? How do you get the revenue? We are dealing with different attacks. And as a salespeople, even if you're not salespeople and you just are forced into that role, you've got to tell your clients, we weren't dealing with Russia trying to get into your system <laughs> or China or North Korea or organized crime gangs before. Now we're dealing with this. We have to amend our strategy. And if we don't amend it, we're failing you as the client. And you have to get that message across. I'm a technical person, and I had to drag myself into a CEO role that we can't give everything free just to solve problems. Um, you guys have to figure out how you can do the same thing. Now, sometimes I get you give things free because it's easier and it's a benefit to you as well, but you've really got to balance that. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing with this is if you don't go have that conversation, so flashback to that router situation, like, who here has done this? You go through and you're like, I'm going to replace all of the routers for my clients. I'm going to do it for free. And I'm going to take it on and take care of it. And something happens, right? All of a sudden, 
the CEO of one of your clients can't get to the underwear page that he wants to go to or whatever, right? And now you're the a-hole because you're blocking something that... Pornhub. <laughs> you're blocking something that's keeping him from getting his job done. Um, so so what, what do you do then? It, that's, that's the question. You, you basically shot yourself in the foot because you never sold it to them. You never got them convinced that they need to invest in it, not just from a money standpoint, because you bypassed that and you, you, know, you, you gave that part away. But now you created a little issue when you're doing all this stuff, and it was a good issue because you really don't need them on Pornhub. But at the same time, now you have a pissed off client. Right? So that's what you're trying to avoid. That's why it's so important that you don't just give this stuff away. So, oh man, we just spent some time going through giving stuff away. Now let's, let's talk about layers. And I know what you guys really want us to do. You want us to stand up here and say, look guys, this is the stack. This is what you need. Here are the things you need to put in place. And the problem is, is your stack might need to look like this, but if you have compliance, maybe it looks like this. So we can't stand here and tell you all the tools, but we can give you some pretty good tips. In fact, we can give you a framework of the things that you probably need to have. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time on this framework. Now, note, each one of these layers has a zero trust component to it, is how I want you to think about it. Yeah. I like to, this is where we disagree. I like to think of security as a triangle. So everything he's talking about here, there's three parts of the triangle. And the human part is the part of that. And every component of this has a part of that. There's the, the detection side. Actually, I'm going to start the human side. There's a human side. If I send everybody a piece of malware in the room today, if you don't open it, it's not a problem. You're not going to get the malware infecting your machines if you don't open it. But there's probably one person in the room that might open it. So if um, three, you think three? <laughs> Did you identify them? <laughs> so um, so it, it, there's the human layer. If the next layer is a detection layer, if you can detect it as something bad, then it's going to be blocked. It's a, it's the problem solved. Or you can detect it post breach. You may solve the problem before too much data. And then the third level is the control layer, and the controls are different. But a control is something that's a boundary. It's a physical control. It's an absolute. That's where if you don't allow any untrusted programs to run, it can't run. And this applies at every layer. It applies at the network layer, too. If, you're, if your IT engineers are dumb as shit and they leave firewalls open and allow all outbound traffic and allow 3389, that's a human problem. It doesn't matter if you have the best firewall in the world. It's a human problem. You have IDS, IPS detecting unusual traffic going on. That's the detection layer. And then you have the control, which is don't open the ports. That's the control layer. So, and this applies across the board, which is why me and Bruce disagree where that human element stands. And I think it stands everywhere. So, but let's just, let's focus on the human element for a minute. And we'll use my picture because you made me put the slides together. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so the human layer, like we got this kind of, for me, it's on the outside for, it's probably, I mean, I might actually change the slides going forward at some point where we actually put it in each layer because, I mean. I'm convincing you, him. When you think about it, <laughs> like the human, I mean, the network guy that's dumb as shit on the third layer in, I guess he's still a human. So, um, but let's, let's talk about Maybe. the human layer for a second. Like, what are some things that we got to make sure we do here? We've got to make sure people are trained. They've got to know what they should and shouldn't do. 
and, and it's not just users, but techs need to know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Uh, we have a, I'm gonna slightly go off, we have a test that we make our cyber heroes take. And if you ever came into our support, they're great, they're answering like 30 seconds. It tells you, are they a cyber hero in training? Are they a cyber sidekick? Are they a cyber hero or are they a super cyber hero? So when, when they progress to that first cyber sidekick test, we make them take a test and they have to pass that test. And we train and we make them take the test and then we train them again and make them take the test. Your tech should be doing the same thing. Not, don't make them just train, but make them test. Because when you test, you force yourself to actually think about the answers. Um, very slightly off topic, we're giving away $200 to the first person that passes our cyber sidekick test. So if you're not a customer, don't even try. After, after the event finishes, so we're going to have the few laptops set up there. So anyone yeah, wants to come I see people try. taking computers out and studying for it right now. So. <laughs> yes, uh, but Did yeah, you we, say 200 bucks? 200 bucks for the, anyone? You know, I'll put 100 bucks on that too. Uh, well, 300 bucks. Because, yeah. I mean, if people are, if you're investing and in doing the right things, I'm into that. Yeah. But anyone who's a threat like a client, we've taken 20 questions out of the 100, randomize them because we don't want you sitting there for an hour and a half. <laughs> so uh, take the test, see if you can get 80% or more. And, and that's our first level of training of an engineer. Um, I'm betting no one gets through it. You know what? I'll, I'll raise it to 500 if anyone gets through it. All right. There you go. There First you go. person to get through it, $500 for getting it. But train the people, phishing training, user training, tech training. Make sure they know the products and they're actually being tested on the products. And if your vendor doesn't offer it, and we've been really bad at offering that testing, we do offer it, go to them and say, hey, I want to make sure my engineers actually know what they're doing. And they're going to go, they don't. <laughs> All right, so we get through the human layer. Oh, actually, let's just throw two more things in the human layer. MFA. Yeah, MFA. Well, so MFA is a control. Yeah, but it's still it's a control. It's a control to deal with the All humans right. being dumb. <laughs> no matter where it sits, you better have it. Yeah. Um, so then you jump down to the perimeter. And this is the thing for the perimeter. You can move that to the endpoint. That's what we've been talking about. That was what we were talking about yesterday, is trying yeah. to get the endpoint to have a nice perimeter around it. But one of the things that I want to make sure that we're all thinking about is you can't just do zero trust without some sort of perimeter. It has to be somewhere. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, the, the perimeter, and we spoke about this yesterday, is the, the first thing that was ever zero trust basis, the, the firewall. What was, I mean, it's going back to the 80s. The firewalls didn't start off with, let's create great IDS and IPS to detect the bad guys. They said, let's put a control in place, but block by default and just open the ports we need. So zero trust is, is instrumental at the perimeter level, denying by default at the perimeter. And whether that perimeter is your corporate office, whether it's your global MPLS network, or whether it's your endpoint. So we get the perimeter. And then we get the network, and this is a really important piece. We talked, a, there, were, there was a hint at this yesterday. They talked about micro-segmentation. It was in one of the slides that they were going through. And I just want to point out, we do a lot of analysis of MSPs. Y'all have this wrong, okay? This is a part that you really struggle with. If I'm able to get on one of your machines and do an analysis, and then I'm able to RDP into any other machine around you, or I'm able to pop um, onto a SQL server or maybe a LabTech MySQL server from that device, we don't have micro-segmentation going on. Like, we're, there's no segmentation. Well, and that's where bringing the perimeter in is nice in that you can effectively micro-segment 
by having the perimeter closer to devices, or even two perimeters. I mean, put a fence, anyone can jump a fence, but put a fence around, that's your firewall, and then have you know, every, every door locked internally only to the point where it needs to be used. So if, you, if this user doesn't need to get onto this server via RDP, just don't open the port. So I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna spend a second here, just kind of on that, that same topic, right? So we got the, the perimeter and the network, and now we're talking about micro-segmentation. We're talking about bringing that perimeter in a little bit closer. Like, what's stopping you, for example, from setting up a VLAN for, and I'm gonna use ConnectWise as an example, because their stuff is super secure. Um, uh, what's stopping you from setting up a segment for ConnectWise Automate, ConnectWise Manage, and ConnectWise Control? Not a segment for all three of them, but a segment for each individual one of those products. And then running your firewall around each one of those. So that if you do have an event, let's say your managed server gets pwned, well, you don't have to worry that your automate server is also getting hit. So these are some of the steps that you're going to want to consider as you're building out and getting to that zero trust endpoint. And it's, it's, you know, we laugh when we say ConnectWise, but whatever RMM you have, it's only as secure as your configuration as well. And there's, there's lots of problems with SolarWinds, say, I mean, and software's always going to have vulnerabilities, but if it's not configured and it's not protected right, I mean, you could have the toughest bastard in the room if, and it, if he's standing there unprotected and everyone's going to go up and kick his, kick his head in, as we say in the UK, then uh, it, it's, it, you can't do anything. It, it doesn't mean anything. Did you say kick his head in? Yeah, that's a, that's a, I haven't actually said that in probably about 20 years, and it came to me like I was a child again. Well, I'm just saying it's uh, pretty explicit. I don't know. Um, uh, it, it, it's what the kids say on the playground in England. <laughs> don't send your kids to school in the UK. <laughs> so, all right, so let's, let's talk about the end point for a second. Now, what do we need on the endpoint? Obviously, we need antivirus. Yeah. Yes, we, <laughs> we, need, we need a level of detection. We need something that's going to try to identify bad. Okay. So we, you need, whether it's an antivirus or an advanced antivirus or a 12th generation antivirus, as I think we're on now, <laughs> you need something that's going to look at programs and determine are they bad based on a set of standardized parameters, which is what essentially antivirus is doing, is looking at what's a set of parameters that we consider bad. It's not going to get everything that's bad because guess what? Dropbox that takes your files and uploads them to the internet could run the exact same code as malware that takes your files and uploads them to the internet. So they're using parameters based on the worst attacks and the most common attacks. But yeah, some kind of antivirus or EDR or Something that detects threats. Okay, so everybody heard that. Danny said you need antivirus, okay? It like, sucks, but you need it. All right, what else do we need at the endpoint? We run Windows Defender. Okay. <laughs> so um, what do you, you, you need application control. You need whitelisting. You need ring fencing. So, and, and ring fencing is, probably goes into your application layer, but you need to control what can run on a deny basis too. So the antivirus is really for when your tech because even if you train your techs and you test your techs and they seem like the best techs in the world, one day one of them might permit something that's bad. You know, you're drinking on a Friday night and you get a request for something that looks really cool. And you say, yeah, I'm going to allow this because I'm a nice guy today. Or, and, or you're drinking, you're having some of these mini Guinnesses, Guinnesses and you uh, decide you want to download something on your own machine and run it. So you approve it yourself? Yeah. 
All right. So B because we'll, we'll we'll talk about yeah. the human layer at yeah. some some other time. But so the antivirus is a backup to humans doing dumb things and text doing dumb things. You should really focus on control, denied by default, and then your antivirus is there to back that up. And then on the application layer side, we got least privilege, right? Yeah, so obviously application, you start thinking about, well, making sure my applications are patched. So you need some kind of patch management. I mean, if you're managing 10 endpoints, you can just check for updates on the app, so that's okay. Um, you need some kind of patch management and monitoring that patch man management. And then you need to put controls around the applications too. So there's your, um, in terms of controls, things like ring fencing. So what does the application need to do? Because they're going to get breached at some point, and the amount of damage that breach can do will be based on how many permissions, permissions that application has in terms of what can it talk to. If it can't talk to your files, it can't eat them. And most people have about 200 applications. They don't think that, but when they deploy Threat Locker, they'll realize that. <laughs> um, only about five of them need to see your network shares. They're the only things that should be able to see your network shares. If you, if you operate on that least privilege, then when something goes wrong with your application, the amount of damage that can be done is massively reduced. Perfect. And then on the data side, we got encryption. And we're just going to speed through this just a little bit so that we get to everything. Um, and I'm going to switch out. How does this end up not getting taken care of, right? So we get to, we, we've gone through, we talked through kind of the stack. But what happens, like, how do we, how do we screw this up? Like, how do we see people screwing this up? Um, like, they don't implement stuff, right? That yeah, well, happens. that's... That's it. Or they over-implement in one area. Yeah. So you get five house alarms in your house. And I know I use this analogy a lot, where you've got motion sensors, contact sensors, glass breaking sensors, laser beams coming from the dog's eyes, and you don't have a lock on your front door. So, so, so wait a second. So I, let, me just, let me give you a very specific example. Somebody came to me yesterday. I'm not going to point you out. Don't worry. But they came to me yesterday, and they said, hey, Bruce, um, I'm trying to figure out whether we should deploy Threat Locker in our environment. We're at a Threat Locker event, so that makes sense that it asked me that question. I said, don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, well, what do you have in place? And he said, well, I, I have Bitdefender, and I have Sentinel-1. And I'm like, and, and you want to add Threat Locker? He's like, yeah, but do I, need, like, do I need all three of those, or what should I do? And when you look at it, Bitdefender and Sentinel-1, those are the same product. One of them has better marketing than the other one, but they're literally doing You don't the need same to say things. which one it is. It's okay. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm, I'm being good now. I realized. You I, can check that fundraising history. <laughs> all right. So these are the things you want to make sure you're doing. You want to make sure that you're getting all of these different layers in place. Yeah. And we talked about like some of the steps that people take to screw that up. I want to spend a couple of minutes talking now on the sales side. Like, how do you sell your stack? So there's a couple of things that I think are important. The first part is actually naming your stack. Like, you're, you should have a separate name for your security stack than your normal managed services. I'm going to repeat that because it's a little bit different than other people have said on the stage. Having these two things separate makes it easier for you to sell. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go. Now, I'm going to, since I got to make the deck, I got to make the name of the, the product. We're going to be talking about Bruce Protect today. Just remember, he said I'm smart, so if you call it Danny Protect, you'll sell more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think it depends on your audience, actually. Well, we've got the video, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so here's, here's what we see that's happening, and I, I want to just make sure that you guys understand 
where we see this going wrong. So there's a couple of things that happen. So let's say you get the name right. You call it, I don't know, Armor Protect, Bruce Protect, Danny Protect, whatever. You sell to your clients, you go to your clients and you sell that security service. Who here's done that? You guys are doing that, right? So a number of you guys are going back, you're selling an additional security service to your clients. And when you go to your prospect, what we're seeing happen is we're seeing you go out and you're, you're basically combining your normal managed service with your security stack and you're calling it your normal MSP services. Like you're not splitting it out. You, for some reason, people stop doing that. And I, when I was running my MSP, I actually, I actually did this. Like I actually went and to all my clients, I sold, I sold them a new security solution. And then I turned around and every time I had a new prospect come in, I would just include it because I didn't want to have the conversation. I didn't want to have a separate conversation about the security. And what we're finding is that when you do that, when you go through and you sell one to your prospects and one to your actual clients, you end up having problems making it to the next round. So next year, when you have to go sell your, your new client, that prospect that hasn't realized that there's two different pieces, you have a problem because they're not used to purchasing that. So that's, that's what I recommend on the naming standpoint. I also recommend that you add a model year, okay? So Bruce Protect 2021 or Danny Protect 2023, because Danny is usually a little head. Um, he said it. <laughs> All right, so that's for on the naming side. Do you have anything you want to add to the naming so, side? I kinda... so, so here's the thing. I mean, adding a name is fine. I know, I know you have an opinion on you support 2021 for three years. Um, I kind of disagree with that because I, I think the reality is you need to go back to your clients. You need to tell them that, well, guess what? Now North Korea isn't on the game, so you've got to upgrade to 2022 because we've got a new president, there's new wars, and all these new things are happening. So you, you're going to have to step up to this version. Just blame the government for everything. Yeah. <laughs> it, seems, it seems to work. So, okay, so we got the, we got the security naming done. And we're not going to support it for three years. We're only going to support it for one year. When 2022 comes out, you're going to introduce it to your client. You're not just going to tell them that they have to get it. You're going to show them why they need it. Okay, there's a little bit of a piece there that's really important. So let's talk about packaging these tools. So one of the things that we run into that we see all the time, and I don't know, Danny, do you end up, do you end up looking at people's packages? Sometimes. I mean, not... If they ask questions, probably Liz looks at them a lot more than I do. <laughs> okay, so Liz looks at more packages than you do. I got it. All right, so um, when, we, when we go through and we uh, do this, what we find is people have a hard time when it comes to features and benefits. So I want you to take your pencil out or your pen, and I want to just spend a minute going through the difference between features and benefits. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about a pencil. So everybody understands a pencil, right? You guys have used a pencil in a long time. But yeah, but I, you know, I, I learned something when I saw your deck earlier about the pencil, though. That I thought it was quite interesting. So we got features and benefits, right? So what's a feature of a pencil? Can somebody just say something, yell something out? And I don't go to the mic, just yell something. It's made out of wood. It's made out of wood, right? Um, my, another one might be it has an eraser, right? These are the things that a pencil has. Um, why do you have an eraser? It allows you to fix mistakes, right? 
So that's the benefit of the eraser. So if you were packaging and selling a pencil, you wouldn't say it has an eraser. You might say it, fix, it allows you to fix mistakes, okay? You might also say that it's hexagonal, right? Yeah, which I learned today that they can't roll off tables. I don't have a pencil, so I know that. <laughs> so, okay, so they don't roll around. We and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> they don't roll around, yeah. right? So these are the, the features versus benefits for a pencil. Now, you could spend a little bit more time putting a list of other features down and other benefits that go with them. This is what you should do with your security stack. Now, the thing about this benefit, though, is this isn't an emotional benefit, okay? This isn't going to sell somebody a pencil. If you wanted to get more of an emotional benefit, what you have to do is you have to think about how does this change their life? Like, how does this make it better for them? Okay? Won't roll off the table doesn't make it that much better. So what's the emotional benefit? A pencil keeps your day running smoothly. Okay? This is an emotional benefit. It's not going to roll off the desk and you're going to have to bend over and pick it up. It's not going to make it so that if you make a mistake, you can't erase it and fix it, unlike a pen, which will roll and you can't erase it. So this is the emotional benefit. Does that make sense to everybody? These are harder to figure out. And when you take something like ThreatLocker and you do the same thing, like features and benefits, this is how you build and package your stack to sell it. So on one side, you've got features. It stops untrusted scripts from running, right? Yeah. Okay. On the other side, we got a feature or a benefit that keeps users from running scripts. So what does the emotional benefit become in your stack? In your stack, like in your marketing, when you're selling this, you're not going to sell it from the standpoint of it keeps users from running scripts. You're going to sell it. You're going to communicate it. If you're going to put together a glossy paper and show your client something, you're going to want to have something like this. You're going to want to have a benefit like not worrying about your employees rolling out the red carpet to hackers. Okay? That creates an emotional benefit. Does everybody understand the difference? Does that make sense? This is really hard. We only had a few minutes to talk about it. I, I, I think it's important to draw parallels too. You've got, to, you've got to be able to speak to them and how they understand. And they may not even know what a script is, but you've got to say users could run a script in an email unintentionally, which would allow them to roll out the carpet to red hackers. And that's, sorry, red hackers. <laughs> red carpet for hackers. Uh, it's then, an American thing. We yeah, say that. Yeah. So uh, then that would give them a, a parallel. Oh, I understand. You've got to have a line of, I can make this work. Because one of the things I hate is when I look at a website and it says, we solve your cybersecurity problems. We, like, and it's like, okay, tell me something that's tangible that I can understand at my level. And I know when I talk to technical people, that's a different conversation to if I talk to investors or business people. But something tangible that you can understand uh, so if I say ring fencing to you, it probably doesn't mean that much. But if I say PowerShell, Office doesn't really need to call PowerShell. So if we can ring fence it and stop it calling PowerShell, that hopefully makes more sense to you. Yeah, so then, so then this is how you, you put it together. And you make sure, obviously, you know your audience. Because if you're selling to technical people, it's going to be a little different than if you're t selling to somebody that's not technical. But then we got to get to selling the solution. So you go in. You have your Bruce Protect 2021. It stops employees from rolling out the carpet to hackers. How do you sell that? 
And I mean, Danny, you had a great example of this yesterday when you put together your, your penetration test, basically, for the investors. You sold the solution. And that was the example of the investor. I, I love demonstrations. It's, all, it's, it's hard sometimes, and you don't need to demonstrate everything. But showing someone how easy something is to achieve, rubber duckies, they're great gimmicks. I mean, mo they're not used that commonly in hacks, but they're great for MSPs to show somebody, look how easy it is to put hot dog sausages on your background. And guess what? If I can put hot dog sausages on your background, I can also copy your files with the same principle. Demonstrations are really, really easy ways. Show them how it works and explain it at a level that they understand. So, so the other thing that we mentioned yesterday on the, the forum was stories. Stories are incredibly important. Like, try I mean, you're selling to people. I'm a cyborg, so it's very difficult. Sometimes I have to use AI and other techniques to try and speak to people. But having a story about how a story about another client that you failed or you helped. Um, and if you, if you don't have a story of your own, talk to your peers here and ask them, talk to me about ransomware cases you've seen and, and, and word it in a way. I want to tell you about a, a construction office. A peer of mine was working, onboarded them recently after they got a ransomware attack. This is how it happened. It, it, and... At a, at a, not a deep technical level, but a, a user opened an email which allowed them to implant a foothold, which allowed them to spring to the server, which wasn't patched, and they used eternal blue. And it was that simple, their entire business was gone. Those kind of stories, like people can connect with, that could be me. And also, when you're telling that story, focus also on the outcome, right? So the users were down for seven days. This wasn't like a normal event where your internet's out for an hour or two. Like they couldn't get anything done. Imagine, and this is one of the things that I like to use in stories, I like to say imagine, imagine if you had your business down for seven days, how much would that cost? Ransom notes, those things are great. Show them a ransom note. This isn't a ransom note of a small business. Oh, hey, we've encrypted your files. They had good backup, they were okay. Oh, well, we also uploaded 1.5 terabytes to the dark web. That is terrifying um, that they could upload 1.5 ter. And that client doesn't know if they uploaded the data or not. Exactly. And just think about that. Think about someone's got your data, and you're not going to pay the ransom. Of course not. But how does that make you feel? Like that someone's got all, all of your pictures and all of your data, and, 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 and what's that going to do to your business, both financially, but also your mental state? Because cybersecurity keeps me up at night, and I'm paranoid. I'm one step from tinfoil on my head. <laughs> we do that much. But it, it, it's, if you can make that connection to the client, this is what, this is literally what happened. And I've seen this 16 times before that. So if you guys, if you guys thought this was helpful and you're sitting there thinking, you know, I want to get a little bit more information about this, go to www.galacticscan/audit, A-U-D-I-T, and there's a document there that goes through and shows you how to have a better sales process. It talks about some of the steps that you should have when you do audits for prospects or clients. Again, it's www.galacticscan.com slash audit. And um, thanks, everyone, for uh, thank listening you, to us. Um, thank you.